1: Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment.
2: And right now, here is the one, the only. Boy, are we blessed, Doctor History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing today? I am good. Good. You
1: had kind of a nagging cough for a while. Yeah, it's it's getting better. I've been working on it for about six weeks,
2: so. Wow. (laughs) You want a real recipe to get rid of that cough? I'm afraid to ask. I can't tell you on the air. Okay. <laughs> Maybe later. Okay. <laughs>
1: oh, it's kind of cold out there. I drove a little slower this morning. Ooh. uh roads yesterday, are okay, but it's slow. It's, yeah, but I mean, yesterday it's cold.
2: was really slippery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: that uh, it's 14 degrees out there, and wow. if it snows or rains, it's going to be slick.
2: Do skinny guys like you, short, fat, skinny, or short, skinny guys, get as cold as us heavier set, fat people?
1: You know, I hate to admit it, but as, and I hate to use this term, as I've gotten older, I don't tolerate the cold as well. Me neither. I just don't Me, like you're being a cold. Lot old,
2: you're a lot older than I am.
1: <laughs> nice try. Yeah. I'll never be as old
2: as you. (laughs) What do you got for Doctor History? Well,
1: uh, you know, you mentioned that you've been. This is uh, December and Christmas time. Yep. You know, we'd like to tell a few stories about Christmas, and this is going to be an old West Christmas story. Okay. That actually happened right, not very far from where we are right now. Really? The city of Rocks. No kidding. So you you've been to the city of Rocks out there, um, the other side of Oakley and Elba and over in that way. So. You know, the City of Rock stage Station um, was a stop on the Kelton Road to Boise. Right. That was one of the stops that right. they stopped. And it was a good welcome rest stop for people because that was a long haul. Yeah. going Clear from Utah to, up
2: to Boise. Yeah. So... I know occasionally you'll have to stop and cough like I had to for months okay. to go ahead. Here we go. Well, okay, now I want you to just imagine.
1: This is actually a story told by a young man okay. that was living at the stage
2: station. Now, where exactly was the station? I know in general terms, but okay. where was it?
1: If you're driving from... Uh, Almo into the city of Rocks. Right. Okay. As you head into the city of Rocks, there's a place where you can turn to the left toward the Twin Sisters. Gotcha. The Twin Sisters, of course, is that historic landmark. Right. 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 On the other side of that, I'm going to say maybe a mile. A mile. And off to your left is where the stage station was.
2: Are there? I haven't been there for a long. It's been 30 years. Right.
1: And there was some uh, logs and uh, foundations still there. I don't know that there's anything there. I haven't been there for a while now. Okay. But at one time, you could go over there and see part of the stage station that was still uh, sort of standing there.
2: Yeah. You know, you had that one program. I don't mean to interrupt, but you had that program on travel by stagecoach. And when you think about travel through there in colder yeah. weather... <sighs> and we're going to talk about that, actually. Okay. You go right ahead. So, now,
1: okay, um, this is something I want you to picture. This is what the author or the guy that's telling the story, this is what he says. He says... Christmas Eve, 1875, in this setting of peace and tranquility, was somehow reminiscent of the manger scene almost 2,000 years before. The same bright stars looked down from above as you stood in the distance, the silhouette outline of a rustic building with a faint glow of lantern beamed through the lone window the ground covered with a mantle of white snow, you visualize yourself approaching this building guided by that heavenly star.
2: Mm. So he's
1: kind of comparing his experience with 2,000 years ago.
2: Yeah, it's like the Gospel of St. Luke. Yeah.
1: So he poses the question, is this all fantasy? Well, almost, but not quite. Anyway, the inspiration came from a graphic description of a glorious holiday season almost 100 years ago at the City of Rock's stage station. I'll be darned. Now I'm going to mention these names. Uh, Charles Walgamot. i
2: heard that name.
1: You have heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he told in his book, he has a book called uh, Six Decades Back, and it's about his experiences as a young man working at this historic stage depot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's long since passed away, and the book uh, is out of print. I don't think I've ever seen one, but I've, I've got some of his stories. But uh, his story became a kind of a valuable eyewitness account uh, recording a bit of Idaho history. So I love that because, you know, we live here, and it's Idaho history. I I love that.
2: I think I've heard many stories about Charlie Walgamont. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He And thank goodness he wrote a lot of them down.
2: Yeah, he did. So
1: anyway, the establishment of this colorful California Trail rest stop goes back to that day in 1868 when two brothers first came to Idaho. Charles and William Trotter. Mm-hmm. And you've heard that name too. Mm-hmm. They had been stage drivers almost from the start of the migration to the West. Now, among others, they had been they'd seen service and action driving for the famous Overland Stage, part of the Ben Holiday line. Right. And when they first entered this territory, Bill and Charlie took employment on the stage line running from Fort Hall to Boise City. Oh my. so that would have been pretty much the Oregon Trail. Uh, yeah. That
2: direction. So they had to come down here and then cut across and then go to Boise. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So
1: anyway, in 1869 when the Central Pacific and the Union Pacific Railroads were joined uh, completing the first transcontinental transportation system, there was a lot of changes that came about but a mail route was established from Kelton, Utah. Now there's nothing left over there at Kelton to yeah. see yeah. but just it's just a place uh, just a spot really. Right. There's nothing left. Mm-hmm. But in Anyway, they established uh, from Kelton, Utah, to the Dalles, Oregon. A, oh ma- a male,
2: Why Really? And that's a long. That, I've done that uh, trip many times.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so these guys, uh, Charlie and Bill, they were starting to get a little bit older, the Trotter brothers, and they wanted to settle down uh, with their families. So they decided to cater to the passengers rather than drive the stage themselves. Wow. So Walgamot tells how Charles took the Rock Creek Station and William Trotter took the City of Rock Station, which was fifty miles east. So they wow. were fifty miles miles apart mm-hmm. but the writer does not make clear if the brothers purchased or actually established these stage depots he uses the word took they, they took these stations so uh, it's assumed that they either purchased them or maybe they actually started them themselves i see so we're r- not really sure okay but, okay so our characters here are the trotter brothers yep uh, charles and bill well, Charles Trotter, and, and as I mentioned, they had both uh, taken over a stage depot, one at Rock Creek and one at the City of Rocks. Now, Charles Trotter had married the older sister of Charles Walgamott.
2: Okay. This is getting a little heavy here. That's why I'm trying to okay. go slow for you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay.
1: So, Charles Walgamot it was his brother-in-law, uh, Charles Trotter.
2: Right. Okay. Yep, got it.
1: Got it. Okay. Now, after the brothers had taken over their respective uh, businesses, young Waldemont, then 19, decided to come west. Uh-huh. He'd been back east. Right. He first lived with his sister and brother-in-law at the Rock Creek Station. That's where he started. Right. Then, in the summer of 1875, he moved to the city of Rocks Depot, where he had been offered employment for the winter. Now, this co- this is where the early account of Christmas of 1875 Comes to be.
2: Okay, it
1: was four years before Cashe County was even born. Okay, so 1875. The author describes the beauty and the joyousness of that holiday season. Yet underlying is the battle with the elements and man's effort to tame the wilderness. And the account relates the severity of that winter. A colorful narrative tells how a large sleigh, drawn by several horses, was sent from the city of Rock Station. To meet the eastbound stage that would come as far as it could in the snow from the Oakley stage. How would
2: they know? I hate to take up your time, but how would the sleigh know that perhaps the stage had got stuck in the snow? Well, no. Now, they were coming from opposite directions. Ah.
1: Okay, The Oakley stage actually was a stagecoach, and it was headed towards the City of Rocks. Right. The City of Rocks sleigh was going to try to meet them halfway.
2: They did that all the time? Yeah.
1: Well... When the snow is bad, yeah. Isn't Otherwise,
2: that, a stagecoach. That sounds to me like you'd be a little chilly.
1: <laughs> well, again, you and I've lived here a long time, Ooh. and uh, I've been up there trying to snow ski in the blizzards. And this, yeah. you got to wonder how much fun it is, you know, at a, a certain point. But yeah. yeah, the wind and the snow and the it gets really cold. Anyway, uh, so. The, What would they do? They would meet halfway, and uh, the sleigh would unload the passengers, the mail, uh, the express, and put it on the stagecoach and switch passengers. So the City of Rocks sleigh would turn around and head back to the City of Rocks.
2: And the stagecoach went back towards Salt Lake. To Oakley. Oakley.
1: So the Oakley stage coming towards City of Rocks, would turn around. After they traded passengers and freight and everything, they would go back to Oakley.
2: Okay. Okay, are you that's with still, me? Yeah, I am, but uh, that's about, what, how many miles? 30? Uh, pretty close. Uh, yeah, not real miles. good miles. No, no. And, and that had to be hard on those horses. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit here, too. Okay.
1: Anyway, uh, Walgamot, the young 19-year-old, uh, relates how his job on the sled was to, quote, run helper. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that term, mm.
2: but he... Is that kind of like shotgun?
1: No, actually not. Oh. No. He was actually seated on an outrigger or a projecting seat opposite the driver. Now, his duties included, included sticking down special cut willows in the snow at intervals during the journey to meet the stagecoach. The reason was to indicate the road location for the return trip, because you know, Zeb, if the wind's blowing... It it, uh, it goes over the road and you don't know where you're at. No, you, you don't j- know if you're, you're on the road. Just
2: making me really chilly. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean it'll drift over. Oh. You know, you can't even drive down a road out here sometimes. No. So so he would put these willows down on the way out so they'd have a a landmark on the way back. So, and he tells of the difficulty of the horses pulling the sled in deep drifts of snow and how they floundered at times. And he, as the quote helper had to get out and trample down the snow so the horses could rise again and go on. The horses would actually lay down.
2: Oh, my, yeah. And
1: he would get out and tramp the snow around the horses, and uh, uh, and then the horses would get up, and they would take off again. Oh. So, anyway, now consider this. In the open sled, the passengers were covered with buffalo hides. <laughs> again, uh, you'd want a, a bunch of buffalo hides, wouldn't you? Oh, you the know? whole herd. <laughs> yeah. And there is an account, actually, of an accident when the sled overturned, oh boy. throwing the passengers and the crew into a snowbank, Luckily, no one was hurt, and everyone just took it as part of the fun. Did they sing Christmas carols? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know, what else do you do when you're...
2: (laughs) Oh, my goodness!
1: Anyway, so leading up to that special Christmas, uh, uh, Walgamoth, the author, gives an interesting account of what the City of Rock Station looked like. Now, he says, referring to the main building, so evidently there was more than one structure. Now, when I've been out there, I've only seen the foundation of one... Building, yeah. so to speak. So there may have been more, mm-hmm. we don't know. But he says the sitting room or bar room was about 30 feet long, east and west, by some 14 feet wide the large fireplace in the West End, the dining room, kitchen, and three bedrooms. No can you kind of picture that I mean that just sounds inviting doesn 't who, it who got the bedrooms <laughs> i don 't know <laughs> okay. i don 't know if they flipped a coin or no, what no, all right. anyway, so welcome out the author. He tells about the plans for the holiday feast uh, of, of many years ago. Uh, he says as it came near Christmas time, Mrs. Trotter and the woman cook began great preparations for Christmas dinner. Turkeys were ordered from Corinne, Utah, and everything on the market was sent for. The women folks made fruit cakes and prepared to make steam pudding and mince pie.
2: What's steam pudding? I don't know. You're Doctor
1: History. I, I'm, I'm not a cook. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to guess that's got to be some kind of a bread pudding. I'm, uh, I'm just guessing.
2: Oh, that sounds good.
1: Maybe one of our listeners could tell us. Okay. What a steam, steam pudding. Steam pudding and mince pie. Okay. I remember, and he says I remember that they did not put cider into the mince pie. Now I'm wondering if that means
2: hard cider. Yeah, I mean you'd hate to eat a piece of pie and end up looped.
1: Well, maybe maybe some maybe that was made it a better Christmas. I don't know. Anyway, so there is the story of Christmas morning with the stage arriving in a blinding snowstorm and how the sleigh was pressed into service to take the passengers, two ladies and a little girl about 12 years old. Oh, my! This was the trip where the accident happened, but as previously mentioned, everyone took it with a spirit of Christmas. The winterized mode of pioneer transportation met the stage on time and then, without delay, proceeded to return to the city. of rock stage station where a great big wonderful christmas dinner was waiting for him
2: you know why would travel over the mountains, literally from Salt Lake all the way to here? Why in the winter time? I mean, there had. Why couldn't they say, "Well, we better wait till April or so"?
1: Well, you know how we are, Zeb. If we're heading to Utah, we check the weather, and if it's bad, we're not going to go. No, you try to go over Sweetser Summit or I over the Blue imag- Mountains I into Oregon. I can't
2: imagine what the trails and the and the pathways for these stages was. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Right, and again, if going into Oregon over the Blue Mountains, you, oh, that can be. T- Terrible. along that columbia how cold that oh, had yeah. to be yeah you right. have just not made my day
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that you know christmas is so many years ago uh, and again they uh they did with what they had yeah really you know uh i'm going to tell a story maybe next week about uh some things that happened in world war one and world war two oh. on christmas okay and uh you know People that have been away from home for the first Christmas, first oh, time boy. away from Christmas maybe as a young man yep. or a young woman, and memories of what you your, you grew up with, what your family did, uh, it's kind of a, a joyous time, but it can be kind of a sad time, too, sometimes. Oh, it can too, be sometimes. extremely
2: melancholy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember the first time I was away from home for Christmas, yeah. and I'm not ashamed to admit it, uh, that was the most sad time of my life.
1: Yeah yeah i mean you picture your family back there getting together and eating and uh, yeah. wherever you are it's you know and i yeah. of course i uh i think you of see our military. that military
2: Right here. The tree in front oh, of oh, you, Doc. Oh, my like, goodness. Don't let it jump out and bite you. That,
1: that, that looks like a, a Charlie Brown Christmas well, tree. Well, <laughs> don't
2: knock that tree. I don't know how many decades that tree is old, but that is exactly like the first tree that my mother gave me when I came to Idaho in 1969. Oh, is that right? And it bears a lot of uh, remembrances. A lot of memories. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and, you know, here and, and probably other places in the country, you can get a permit to go buy or chop down your own Christmas tree.
2: I have the... Recipe for steam pudding. Oh. (laughs) Deanne just pulled it off. Okay. Here we go. I'm just going to give you what's in it. Butter for greasing, custard to serve optional. And for the topping, you take four tablespoons of jam, strawberry preferably, or marmalade and golden syrup or chopped stem ginger, Or 200 grams of 7 ounce canned fruit, drained and roughly chopped, and you mix it all together and you come up with steam pudding. (laughs) Okay. Boy, it sounds interesting. Really good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i i don't know that i would d- jump on that one i would try it i would i would taste it but you know in the old days christmas wasn't about presents no. it was about maybe a nice meal with friends or even having a meal yes like these people up at the stage station my yeah. goodness at uh way out in the remote wilderness my yeah. goodness they must have been just thankful to have a fire
1: yeah and as i described that cabin you know doesn't that cabin just sound kind of warm and oh, inviting and yeah coming out of a snowstorm and
2: but not to the point of having to go through what they did to get there. <laughs> no. Okay. So next week you're going to talk about being away from home.
1: Yes. I, I've got a couple of stories about World War I and World War Two that are kind of some Christmas stories that uh, that I, I think you're going to like.
2: You know, one of the things you ought to talk about, and I've only got a minute left here and then i got to do a commercial break, but the people the clothing what did they wear to keep warm and their feet warm and dry they didn't have the uh fancy new shoes that we have now for winter wear and in water and everything else what did they do but you know the best prepared of course were the mountain men yeah you know because they had uh, uh the,
1: the boots and one thing that they were they're were made by the indians and most yeah. likely yeah and so they were the best prepared
2: wow i'm sure we could do a whole story on clothing yes yeah, yeah. we ought to